I'm Colin Matt. I'm Annie Mayer. And I'm Charlotte Redican. And our program tonight is on the education system in America, its issues, its barriers, and its solutions. Off the Hill Radio is supported by the Colgate University Economics Department, the Ludwinsky Foundation, and Cash Money. We, the best music. More info can be found at www.cashmoney/records.com. Findings published in the Journal of Political Economy show a powerful link between school quality and the economic returns to education. Despite these observations, many still debate the real benefits of educational attainment. Today, we will discuss prominent issues in academia, such as administrative mandates and vouchers towards private education, with three experts in the field, Paula Passifaro, Cynthia Benfield, and Judge Jennifer Staley McCready. But first, we will examine the funding difficulties faced in the fields of general education as well as special education. Educational funding is a leading point of contention for policymakers. The correct balance of federal, state, and local funding is hotly contested across the nation, although the general consensus is that there is simply not enough efficiency utilized funding in the public education system as a whole. Cynthia Benfield is a kindergarten paraprofessional at the Title I level, meaning that she works in a district where the population is at risk, which signifies that 40% of the children are at the poverty level. She spent the previous nine years working as a special ed paraprofessional, working with one to four students at a time, but this year she was moved to work with the entire kindergarten class as they have not been diagnosed yet. In the USA, the federal government sets mandates for education. Each individual state can interpret these mandates and accept them as is, or can implement additional mandates. Retired school psychologist of Dunkirk County School District and chair of the Committee on Special Education, Paula Passafaro, speaks on her difficulties with maneuvering the red tape within the educational system of New York State. Um, I don't, I, I never saw funding as an issue. I saw, um, that we were overly mandated, um, and increasingly as I made my way through my career, the mandates kept 
growing mm. um, to where you couldn't possibly even realistically meet them all, even with all of the money in the world. Um, and, and I'm speaking to special education, but then general education has its own huge book of mandates. Um, the that um, it was hard because there's so many mandates you can never a, a district could never fulfill them 100% so for example if a student who had a visual impairment let's say or had, a, had an extreme learning disability um, and was going to require in order for them to receive a fair education, a fair and equal education, uh, required, say, a computer or a laptop. In the days that I work, now this is just an example, laptops and computers weren't so easy to come by. So it would often take the district a long time to secure, you know, either the funding or the permission to get that laptop or get that computer for that student. And then there was all kinds of things like, well, you know, some students are more responsible. Some families are more responsible. Some students are less responsible. Some families are less responsible. Should, should they be able to take that very expensive piece of, of equipment home? Um, if so, will it return? Will it return broken? <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? So those kinds of hurdles, yes. So those kinds of hurdles, yes. And and for the teachers to be able to meet all of the special needs that the children have because their children, the children with disabilities are, are entitled to participate in the general education programs along with their non-disabled peers. It was very difficult for the teachers to be able to um, meet all of their special needs. In addition to the students who didn't have, you know, who just the, the regular normal kids and say, you know, this student needs X, Y, Z in accordance with, you know, regulations, state and federal regulations, but then actually to see it implemented in real life is another thing altogether, you know. But a lot of the people making the mandates don't have a lot of experience in, in the real world, we, we've, you know, kind of felt. I see. In theory, vouchers allow for underprivileged children to receive a private school education through putting public funds toward an individual's education. This allows the individual to choose a school outside of his or her district. In a study by Greg Forster about the effects of school choice, he concluded that in 14 out of 18 cases, school choice improves student outcomes. Six of these studies find that all students benefit, and eight find that some benefit while others are not visibly affected. That being said, vouchers are a controversial topic in the world of academia, especially due to their nature of redistributing funds privately and the unfair selection process. Now we will hear from Cynthia Benfield and Judge McCready about their thoughts on vouchers.
speaking, it doesn't change much. Okay. But if it makes the family feel like they're in because they got to choose the school despite their district, I'm all for it. Okay. Um, I know it means that money that would have gone to the local public school goes to that student being bused and going to a different school district. Yeah. But I'm all about free choice. And so if it, again, if it makes that person not feel trapped and that mm-hmm. family not feel trapped, oh, I'm stuck in this town, I've got it, my job's here, I can have to go to school here. I, you know, I'd rather people didn't feel that way. Okay. I don't have a car, so I have to rely on the bus. Yep. And I think uh, there aren't that many states that do offer vouchers. Yeah. Out of 50 states. So, um, I believe that um, from my perspective in working in kind of an inner city um, public school setting, um, that the competition would be a very healthy thing. Mrs. Passafero cites increased competition and the inefficiency caused by unions and public schools as arguments for the voucher program. Three years of graduate studies, um, and I, w- I was part of a union, as are all teachers and related service providers. I felt that the unions really compromised productivity. Well, evidently, the United States education system needs quite an overhaul. So we decided to ask our experts their thoughts on potential solutions to save our system. Cynthia Benfield believes in local control of public schools over federal control. But the school could be run the way it wants to be. And I don't know that we need an education secretary in Washington telling us how all schools have to be. Additionally, she believes in the promise of charter schools. Our one idea, I think charter schools are like, are the best thing in the world. They're independently operated, but they're still public schools. Yeah, those are And that was all? I don't know how much you know about charter schools. Do you know a lot? No, not a lot. Well, in a nutshell, they're basically run by parents. Okay. Which is such a plus. Teachers, community organizers. So you get people who are like, I'm mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore. We need a change. So it's people who are passionate. Okay. And so they're like, we're going to start a school. So they do. And they get teachers, which, and the salaries are fairly low, yeah. like independent school, because the teachers don't necessarily have to have degrees. Interesting. So they get a lot of, like, Teach for America teachers uh-huh. who didn't even take an ed course, but they taught for two years and uh-huh. caught the bug. And now we will hear from Paula Passaferro. Um, some of the mandates are unfunded, but I think that the current, the current um, oh, initiative in New York State, at least, is not so much uh, more money but maybe fair, more fair distribution of the funding. And I think that's kind of, kind of where the push is coming, you know, less, less mandates and more fair distribution, equitable distribution of, of funding. Uh, 
great story, compelling and rich. Our program was produced today by myself, Charlotte Redican, and my co-partners, Annie Mayer and Cullen Matt. A special thanks to our program guests, Paola Passafaro, Cynthia Benfield, and Judge Jennifer Staley McCready. Our website, onthehill.colgate.edu, is where we will have links posted now to the trailer of our upcoming Netflix film this Sunday, Public Policy for Millennials, as well as a schedule for for our upcoming podcasts. Next up on On the Hill with Annie, Cullen, and Charlotte is a discussion on the FDA's recent crackdown on jeweling amongst teens, its impacts on the alternative cigarette market, and also for the hooked teens themselves. Set to air Tuesday, May 1st. Thank you.